Jeff, you didn't see this one coming. I'm going to be real gentle on you. There was a fantasy football game in the LPL Research League. I think it was you versus me. You didn't know I was going to mention it. I I got you, and I'll just leave it at that. Any comments about that? I'm going to be nice, but any comments? Hey, if the Chiefs win, I'm happy. There you go. I'll, I'll say that, you know. <laughs> that's, um, that's congratulations right. on that victory. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Ryan Dietrich here, and up on the phone up in Boston is my good friend Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how is life up in Boston treating you? Treating me well, thanks. Ryan, happy Monday here. We're celebrating the start of the week by eating leftover Halloween candy. <laughs> I've already uh, taken advantage of, of some of that. You guys got a pretty big stash down there? Yes, we do. You know, so Halloween was obviously on the 31st, and if my math is right, that was what? That was Thursday night, correct? And we had a really big storm come through South Carolina, Fort Mill area where we are, right about 5 o'clock. So some people were canceling Halloween. People were confused what to do. We just went to a friend's house, hung out till about 6.30, and then the storm went through, and it was nice and calm and cool, and yeah, it was wet, but you know, hey, we got Halloween done, and there is a good amount of candy left as well. Um, I haven't had any this morning, though, so maybe I'm going to be a little calm. I'm not going to be all sugar-hide so far, but nonetheless, believe me, there's more candy in my future, I'm sure of that. You're, you're behind, so you got to do some catch-up. <laughs> That's exactly right. Much like my Cincinnati Bengals, as we just were joking, my Bengals, Jeff, did not lose a game for the first time since early September. What do you think of that? Very impressive. Uh, my, my Chiefs didn't lose either. No. Well, they got to that outcome a little bit differently than your Bengals, who yeah. I believe were on a bye this time. That's exactly right. They were on a bye. But you know what? We'll take it. Any 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 week's a good week. Uh, the 0-8, they literally canned the new the, the quarterback who's been there for a while, Andy Dalton. We're starting a rookie. So, you know, hey, who knows what's going to happen, but um, enough of that. Now, Jeff, you didn't see this one coming, and I'm going to be real gentle on you. There was a fantasy football game in the LPL Research League. I think it was you oh, versus no. me. You didn't know I was going to mention it. I, I got you. And I'll just leave it at that. Any comments about that? I'm going to be nice, but any comments? Hey, if the Chiefs win, I'm happy. There you go. I'll, I'll say that. You know, <laughs> that's, um, that's congratulations right. on that victory well, in our office league. There you go. Um, we uh, we're also getting football weather up here. By the way, it was uh, below freezing overnight wow. in, in Boston. I know you guys are a little bit warmer, but uh, it was cold here. Certainly, yeah. uh, fall is upon us, and and that ties into we, we don't want to go to it now, maybe, but the weekly market commentary about how well stocks do um, seasonally. Maybe we need to do a study about how stocks, how well stocks do when it's cold. <laughs> well, I bet you they get positive uh, numbers there. Yeah, you know, given that that is true, this is one of the things we're going to talk about, the best six months of the year start right now, November through April. And last I checked, those are some cold months. So, Jeff, this week on the Market, uh, Market Signals podcast, we're going to discuss new all-time highs. The S&P made three new all-time highs last week, and this is the first set of new all-time highs since late July. We're also going to talk about the Fed. The Fed had a th- its third 25 basis point cut last week, as we expected. We'll kind of break down what exactly they said and what could be in the future for monetary policy. And then we're going to wrap things up. Well, along with that Fed discussion, we're going to talk about a little bit the economic data that also came out. And we're going to wrap things up with just that, the weekly market commentary, which is right in front of me. We titled it New Highs Finally, and that's taking a look kind of at seasonality and, quote-unquote, the best six months of the year. So, Jeff, we'll start it off October 28th, which was a week ago, as the time we're recording this, my birthday, which we joked was historically the strongest day of the year, if you go back to 1950. But we actually had new all-time highs, and kind of that kicked it off on Wednesday was Brexit. Apparently, it was just kind of punted into January. The market's seen Brexit kind of punted multiple times the last few years and takes it in stride. Then on Wednesday, we had the Fed, and then on Friday, some decent economic data. Bottom line, those three days made new all-time highs. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit 
about all-time highs. Should we be worried about them here or maybe something to embrace from an investor's point of view? Yeah, how about both? Um, there you go. You're a politician. If you go back and look historically at how stocks do in the six months period after record highs, Yep. again, going back uh, to 1950, returns are pretty much in line with the average. So investing in the S&P 500 at an all-time high actually gives you the same probability of success as investing any other time. So what does that mean? It means, really, you don't have to pay attention uh, to all-time highs. Uh, You're just as likely to experience those average stock market gains uh, buying in at that point uh, than you are at uh, any other point. That's about a 4.5% average uh, gain in the S&P 500 over that six-month period following those highs. Interesting. Now, I know one time John broke out the word acrophobia, and that is a fear of heights, acrophobia. So we're going to bring it up one more time about fear of heights. I just did some some number crunching last week when we had the new highs, and I started in November of 82. Why did I pick that date? Kind of compliance. Listen to this. That's when the new all-time highs started. That's when the, the bull market of 82 to 2000 really started with those November 82 highs. Jeff, there have been over 700 new all-time highs since that period. The median return a year after any of those all-time highs for the S&P 500, 13.5%. Pretty solid number. The at any time, median return over the course from 82 to now was 11.3%. So what I'm getting at is there's slightly better returns after new all-time highs if you start in November of 82 when that, when that bull market kicked off. And I know our friends at Strategus Research had some data about the six months after there's usually not a big drop. Jeff, you wrote the commentary. Can you give a little more color on exactly what they found after new highs? Yeah, that, that's right, Ryan. So if you look at the distribution of returns after all those highs, uh, you only get about 4% of the observations uh, being down more than 10%. So the chances of a big market correction are are pretty low. So even though the average returns you get are about in line with, Mm -hmm. you know, investing in any other time, you actually see a lower probability of a correction during those six months because you've got that strong stock market momentum. Interesting. Now, Jeff, let's play devil's advocate for a second. Last September, so this would have been, I guess, September of 2018, market was making new all-time highs. S&P was, at least. And then we had the terrible fourth quarter, you know, down 14%, worst fourth quarter since financial crisis, worst December since the Great Depression. You know, you're telling me this time is different. Are we we made new highs now? Are we not going to have a big sell-off in the fourth quarter? You think then? I mean, give me a couple bullet points why we won't. Yeah, the biggest drivers of the sell-off last fall, uh, the Fed and trade, mm-hmm. both those things are moving in the right direction, right? right? We've come a long way. Right, we've got three Fed rate cuts since then. Come a long way toward giving the market what it wants in terms of monetary policy, and then uh, on trade, um, we've gone from escalations and new tariff threats and really tough language uh, between uh, President Trump and, and Chinese leaders right. to now, you know, being really close to signing a trade agreement. Now, it's it's a narrow agreement, but um, we're real close. And then in addition to that, which is kind of out there and, and known in the market, uh, you know, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross said over the weekend, we're probably not going to need auto tariffs. That's a really big deal. Um, so if we don't get auto tariffs on Japanese or... or um, European autos coming to this country, you know, that sort of takes the tension down uh, in terms of a trade dispute with, with those two 
countries and regions. So I, I think the um, the news on trade is really, really good right now. Yeah, you know, adding to that, you know, John mentioned before, that's kind of the big uncertain worry is if we had tariffs with the, with the EU specifically and what that back and forth could mean. But you're right, that news over the weekend, as a time we're recording this, S&P is at new highs and up again on some optimism, again, on trade going the right way. So you laid out, you know, the Fed. Remember, it was October 3rd last year, long way from neutral. That is what Fed Chairman Powell said. Market didn't like that because what he was saying was, hey, there could be more rate hikes coming than you guys expect. And that's what really kicked off the rough fourth quarter. Also, the very next day, October 4th, Vice President Pence gave a very aggressive tone speech regarding China. And our view is those two events really kicked off the fourth quarter this year. Like you laid it out, those two things are in much better shape. Now, getting a little geeky for a second, just looking at market technicals. If you just look at the percentage of stocks in the S&P above or below their 200-day moving average, what we saw in the fall last year, less and less stocks were above their 200-day moving average. Again, keeping it simple, think of soldiers advancing there weren't as many stocks going up, even though we're at all-time highs. So that was a weak underpinning, and then the bad news happened and we had the sell-off. You almost have a mirror image. Right now, you have the number of stocks above the 200 moving average increasing, and it's been going that way for a while. So again, more of a positive under the surface on the technical front, I think, is another big difference, I think, between now um, and last year. Now, Jeff, um, you know any other further comments on all-time highs? I guess mine is simply, they happen. We've seen 16 of them so far this year as a time we're recording this, and usually the future returns are pretty good. I know there's years like last year, um, but for the most part, it's not something to be fearful of. Anything to add before we move on? Well, I'll, I'll add that stocks are not expensive here. Yeah, good point. You know, that's the other thing you get when you talk to people about the the, the headlines, right? We uh, we've got to be expensive. We've been, you know, in a bull market for over ten years, longest one ever. We're up, you know, hundreds of percent, whatever. Is that a, a time to sell? And we would say no because the earnings growth over the last several years has actually kept up. Mm-hmm. So right now. Uh, based on price-to-earnings ratios, we're still in that 17-and-a-half kind of range, which is very reasonable. You could even argue it's um, a little bit cheaper than its average when you adjust for inflation and interest rates. Uh, excellent point there. You know, one other way to look at that, if you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the granddaddy of them all, really it's gone almost nowhere for 21 months. I mean, it's up a little bit since January of 2018, I'm aware. Uh, but but for the most part, for 21 months, it's just been in this big range with a big sell-off, and now we are making new highs. But it's just, I think, to put it in perspective of how, and global markets are that way, right? I mean, you know, globally, uh, Switzerland made new all-time highs last week. Brazil made new all-time highs. Germany, which is in this recession we keep hearing about, industrial recession, they're at 52-week highs. France is 52-week highs. Yet, a lot of these countries have gone nowhere for, for 21 months, and now we're starting to kind of break out of these um, these long consolidations. I think that's so important to note. Yes, we're at all-time highs, but the market has really caught its breath after the enormous rally that we saw from February of 16 until early 2018, and that's, that's kind of how things happen. So, Jeff, let's go to the next subject, and that is the Fed. Um, you know, we talked a, we talked a lot about the Fed last week, and, and the Fed did pretty much what we expected. They gave the 25 basis point cut that the market was expecting, but then they did, I guess, what we'll call a hawkish cut, implying here's your cut, but you know what? We might take the punch bowl away for a little bit and see how the economy is doing, how those 25 basis points can can help uh, stimulate this um, little slowdown that we've seen, uh, but at the same time. 
you know, we're here for you if you need us. And we're only going to hike if inflation increases. And that's kind of the summary. And I'll just say one final thing to hand it to you, Jeff. If you think the first year after rate cuts that we had when Fed Chairman Powell took over, the market was down like every time. Okay. He opened his mouth during the Q&A session. Markets would sell off every time. Now we've had multiple positive reactions after he spoke, specifically just on Wednesday, new all-time highs. And the market took that in stride. I was kind of wondering how they would. But he's made it pretty clear we could be looking at a three-and-done scenario with rate cuts, and the market took that in stride. Um, what do you think? What, what should investors take away from what happened on Wednesday? Yeah, I think the most important point here is that the Fed and the market uh, are pretty well aligned. Yep. Right. That We just talked about what happened last fall. Uh, they weren't. Three rate cuts later, the market really isn't pressuring the Fed to do much more. I mean, maybe one more cut uh, if um, economic data weakens from here. Uh, but um, you know, the way uh, bond market positioning looks right now, you're probably not in a scenario where uh, if the Fed pauses, the market throws a tantrum. That, that to me, is the most important point. And if you want to add one point to that, it's just that clearly the um, economy is in good shape, right? And we saw that. We can talk about last week's data. There was a ton of really important high-profile right. data last week, right? Um, we know the consumer continues to be the anchor uh, of economic growth, but there's certainly a lot of um, uh, a lot of positive things going on in the U.S. economy um, uh, that uh, Chair Powell clearly reiterated. Yeah, you know, we'll go to that economic data in one second. I just was playing with some numbers. So the Fed actually cut rates again for the third time this year with the S&P 500 within 1% of an all-time high. And I found, going back to the early 80s, before this year, that happened only 11 times where they, they cut rates with the S&P within 1% of the all-time high. A year later, Jeff, S&P higher guess all 11 times up a median of over 15.2%. So there is the don't fight the Fed monetary policy, potential as a tailwind, lots of other parts of the pie, but that's just something to be very aware of. Now on Friday, Jeff, we did have the jobs number. Maybe we'll start with that. But on Friday, I actually was at a field trip with Gus, my youngest son. And it was um, it was fun. They ran around at a farm and got some pumpkins and things. So I I know enough to be dangerous about the data on Friday, but given I was off having fun, I'm going to actually probably turn it to you. It seemed like the jobs number came in much better than expected. You know, what else should we have to take away from Friday's number? Because the market liked it, made new all-time highs, and rallied once again. Sure. Oh, this was a Goldilocks number for there sure. Mm -hmm. The actual number was uh, over 40,000 above consensus forecast. So you got 128 k versus 85 k uh, expected. So that's good news in and of itself. But then um, GM, the GM strike costs about 40,000 jobs. So right. you really can add 40-plus thousand to that, and you're in the you know 170 range. That's a really solid number, mm -hmm. uh, right in line with the trend that we've seen over the last several months and uh, for this stage of, of the economic expansion. Uh, really, really good. So that was, and then by the way, on top of that, what made it even better is we had positive revisions right. uh, for the uh, last couple of months. Uh, another ninety-five thousand jobs. So the job market, we know it's healthy, uh, but this certainly um, really uh, put an exclamation mark on that point. Now the ISM number, manufacturing data, also came out on Friday, and that seemed like it missed by a little bit. But as we've laid out before, manufacturing currently makes up fourteen percent of GDP here in the U.S., with the consumer being about seventy percent. So and that rating is falling. Exactly, it's consistently fallen. So yeah, you know, yeah. and so what? What should we take away with this manufacturing data? Was there anything under the surface that the market actually liked? 
Yeah, absolutely. The um, employment component, you know, mm-hmm. we just talked about jobs. Right. There's another jobs observation. Employment component of the ISM manufacturing index was up 1.4 points month over month. So a solid wow. uptick in that piece. And by the way, manufacturing job losses in the jobs report were better than expected. Hmm, we still got good. job losses in that sector, but they were right. better, much less than expected. And then new orders in the ISM, which is obviously a forward-looking uh, metric here, is um, really close to 50 now, over a little over 49. And that was up almost two points month over month. So, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, maybe a headline number misses, but the components were good. That's exactly what this was. Hmm. Okay, good, good stuff there. So the, the final thing, I think, is the GDP number that we had, and that came out earlier in the week, and it came in at 1.9% in the third quarter, a little bit better than expected, but was interesting if you looked at what happened under the surface. And we wrote about this on LPLResearch.com. 1.9% of the GDP growth came from consumer spending. The detraction, once again, for the second month in a row was business spending. So this GDP number, I think, in a, you know, just a real succinct way explains what's going on. The consumer looks good, but business spending is still weak-ish and almost detracting now for two actually months, then I two quarters in a row uh, due to the uncertainty over trade. Anything else in the GDP number that is worth pointing out, Jeff? You know, it's not really that meaningful at this stage, but mm-hmm. I will just point out the inflation data uh-huh. within the GDP report right, right in line mm-hmm. and good. a little below the Fed's target. Uh, so um, we really don't have anything to worry about in terms of um, in terms of inflation. Okay, good. Now, I guess I'll summarize, I'll uh, finish it up with this. This is the third 25 basis point cut from the Fed so far this year. And we talked about it before, but in 75, in the mid 90s, and again in 98, the Fed did three 25 basis point cuts. Those were all kind of mid cycle adjustments, mid cycle slowdowns. The Fed did some cuts. And then six months later, the S&P was actually higher 10% on average, a year later up 20% on average. If you look at those three other times where we've had a uh, three cuts of only 25 basis points. So history doesn't repeat, but it can rhyme, said Mark Twain. And that's just another factor to be aware of. Jeff, I think we've got, let's see here, about three or four minutes. Let's talk about the weekly market commentary that you put together this week. And again, we titled it the best six months of the year, November through April is up 7% seven, 7 on average. Uh, the last 10 years, these six months have been higher nine out of those 10 times, up 8.8% on average. So, you know, the calendar is a definite tailwind. What do you think? Are we going to have um, another good six months on the horizon? Oh, I think the odds are really good. Yep. Uh, we talked about the strong economy. We talked about Fed support. Uh, I think those are probably the two biggest factors here right. uh, beyond trade, which we also talked about. So as long as we continue to make progress on trade, uh, I think we have the makings of uh, another positive six-month period from here. Uh, it's hard to explain. I know you and I have talked about this, Ryan. It's hard to explain why this seasonal period right. is better for stocks and why that's, that pattern has been sustained uh, for so long. Uh, you know, you can throw out some some ideas. Uh, I have some ideas, but um, re- regardless, um, we have some things. Earnings improving, by the way, is another one. We have a number of things uh, that you can point to that are catalysts that suggest the stock market has a little bit more room to go, which is why we haven't recommended selling stocks here, right. despite the fact that the S&P is through our 2019 target. 
Uh, good points there. Um, you know, and the interesting thing is we all know sell in May go away, right? That's from May until Halloween, those six months. And the S&P actually gained, I believe, what, approximately 10% during what is usually a week-ish um, period. And there can be some times in history where you have the st- a strong six months when you're not supposed to necessarily. And that kind of eats away at some of the gains during the best six months of the year. Uh, but the bottom line, again, during this 10-year bull market, nine of the last 10 times, these six months have been higher. So that is just something with new all-time highs across the board globally, with the NYSE advanced decline line showing participation making new highs. Credit spreads, as we've talked about many times, are still quite contained when you look at high yield spreads and investment-grade corporates. That's the bond market's way of saying, we don't think there's going to be a recession anytime soon, uh, or they would be more you know, freaked out, for lack of a better term. So overall, you know, the ca- calendar looks good. Uh, definitely be sure to check out our weekly market commentary that we, we just released. So Jeff, we've got about a minute or two. Any uh, closing comments from you on football, stocks, candy, anything? Anything, anything you want to throw out there? <laughs> Oh, all uh, all good stuff. Um, I, I guess this is this is a week to digest what happened last week. Right, right. Um, we had some of the biggest data that we ever get. Right, monthly data, quarterly data, and we had a Fed meeting. So everybody, take a breath, <laughs> digest what we heard. Right. Um, and uh, frankly, what we heard, I think, was was good across the board. The only other thing I'll add is earnings season continues. Uh, this week we've had a, a good week. Uh, over the past week, we added about a percentage point to the growth rate. So, you know, instead of tracking to, you know, down three and change, we're tracking to down two and change. So it's not great to see earnings declines, but the fact that they're getting smaller is positive, and the fact that uh, analysts are still forecasting accelerating growth from here going forward uh, is positive as well. So the earnings picture it's certainly trade dependent, but it's right. getting better uh, and. Uh, we think it help uh, support stocks over the next uh, six to 12 months. Okay, good good stuff there. So again, anyone, if you have any comments or questions, we do have an email, LPL Market Signals Podcast at LPL.com. Please continue to give us a positive review and some comments on iTunes. We appreciate those. The more positive reviews we get, the more people get to hear our voices talk about stocks. And I'll end it with this. Uh, this past weekend, so a couple days ago, I flew up to Ohio. It was my mom's 67th birthday. No, 66th. I think I know this. 66th birthday. Surprise her. She was diagnosed three and a half years ago with stage four metastasized breast cancer. But she just does the treatments every month and keeps on keeps on moving. We had a good party for her. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen with our health. But with little good doctors and a little faith, you know, just keep on rolling. So hopefully everyone has a happy and healthy rest of 2019 from everyone at the LPL and everyone, especially, you know, Jeff, myself, and John, and, uh, well, Terrence and the entire team from the LPL Market Signals podcast. And also, I want to thank everybody. We had some discussions last week about this podcast. It is amazing. You know, we come in, Jeff and I and John talk for 25 minutes and leave, but we've got a complete team that really does a lot of awesome work, kind of behind the scenes and the front lines to make this this podcast happen. So thank you very much to the whole team for making, making it happen. And we will be back next week. So, Jeff, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for letting me win our fantasy football game over the weekend, Jeff. I know you did that just to be nice me and we'll be back next week with the latest edition of the lpl market signals podcast take care everybody well that's it for this episode join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals stay connected by following us on twitter at lpl or at lpl research please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts lpl market signals is presented and produced by lpl financial i'm john lynch and i'm ryan dietrich
The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.